Well, this happened at Gospel Peace Church just last week, where the scripture reading was right, but it was wrong on the screen. So, Micah, great job. Thanks for doing that. Colossians 4 is where we're at this morning. Why don't we pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning? Lord, would you please guide us into all truth today? Please use your word to sink deep into our hearts and lives. That we would be changed by your word for our good and for your glory. Lord, we want to see people come to know you across the nations. From our neighborhood into the nations. From normal Illinois across the globe. Not so that we can have padded numbers or increased pride or ego, but so that you would be made to look awesome. So that your name would be honored in every corner of the globe, in every corner of normal Illinois. As your holy church goes forth in the Holy Spirit's power, with the glories of the gospel to exclaim, now we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, for the honor and the glory of your name. Let the nations be glad. Let the people rejoice. For salvation belongs to our God. Let the whole earth be filled with the praises of the Lord, for salvation belongs to our God. Let the nations be glad. Lord, we have such good news for people, good news that we just sung about, good news that has been prayed already this morning, and good news that we got to experience in the Lord's table. We got to taste and to feel the good news that our sins have been forgiven. And we have been clothed, clothed with the righteousness of Christ so that our eternity does not bank on our own righteousness, but an alien righteousness that comes in and clothes us. And so for that, we praise your name. We lift up your name this morning. We want this gospel to be proclaimed all over the world. Use us, please. Use us. May the one who speaks, speaks, speak as if he has the oracles of God. And the one who serves, serve as if he has strength, strength from God. So that the name of Christ will be honored. And it's Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, let's look to the word this morning because the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever. Have you ever owned a walkie-talkie? Do you remember getting these walkie-talkies as you were a kid? And you look at them and they say 16-mile radius. And you're thinking, this is great. 
I could talk to people, I don't know, from other states. How far is 16 miles? Sounds far. So you get one and your brother gets the other one, as in our house. And we go to opposite ends of the house, where we actually don't need walkie-talkies to hear each other. We say, can you hear me? Yes, but I can't tell if it's from the walkie-talkie or not. Okay, let's go outside. Let's go. You go on that side of the house towards the Ryans, and then you go to this side of the house, okay? And we'll talk to each other there. Well, apparently, 16-mile radius walkie-talkies don't work through houses. Or that might have been 16-mile house. I don't, we didn't know at the time. They just don't work. We want to be able to communicate to each other. We can't. We want to have access. Okay, so walkie-talkies in the military, they bring access to something important and powerful. Well, on April 8th, 2009, a U.S.-flagged cargo ship called the Maersk, Alabama, was hijacked by four Somali pirates about 240 nautical miles into the Indian Ocean. Perhaps you've seen the movie. A distress call was put out to, uh, to the U.S. Navy, and the U.S. Navy responded with a destroyer and a frigate. After some time of negotiation, the captain of the, new, the U.S. Navy ship decided that the resources that they had were not enough. We need to call in the Navy Special Forces. I have a friend who's a retired Navy SEAL. We lived in Virginia Beach. We had a few Navy SEALs that would attend our church, members of our church in Virginia Beach. And one of them, as he heard that we were going to be moving to Logan, Utah, he decided to, instead of extending his time with the Navy, he decided to retire after about 21 years and said, if you're going to Logan, so are we. So he moves and he tells me this part of the story. He says, by the time they called for the seals, our reply was, they're in the water outside of your boat. They'll be boarding shortly. That's the kind of walkie-talkie I want. Turns out, when the initial distress call was placed to the U.S. Navy, and they sent a destroyer and a frigate, a frigate that the Navy in Virginia Beach woke up some Navy SEALs and said, you're going across the world now. So they put them on a plane and eventually into the Indian Ocean, ready to act. I want to walkie-talkie that when it calls for help, there's a response like the special forces. Uh, one author says this about prayer. He says this, it's not a domestic intercom system for you to call for more pillows in the den. We sometimes forget that we're actually in a war. Do you believe it? We sang a couple of songs about that war. 
Do those songs about war resonate within you? Because you've been battling in a spiritual war for so long? You've been battling on your knees, you've been battling to proclaim the good news in your neighborhood and in your workplace, and you feel like you're just not getting very far. And perhaps after a time you've given up. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to not give up. And I want to encourage you this morning to stay connected to the headquarters. For where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Well, I heard one time from a pastor, he said to me, if you want to preach a sermon that will convict everyone in the room, you should preach either one of these two things. You should preach either about prayer or about evangelism. Well, this morning, I get the privilege of burdening you with guilt. I'm only kidding. About prayer and evangelism. Shouldn't you be praying more? Yeah, I should probably be praying more. Shouldn't you be telling more people about Jesus? Yes, I should probably be telling more people about Jesus. Well, I get the privilege of encouraging you as followers of Jesus to stay connected to the headquarters, to encourage you as followers of Christ who, who have the good news and can't wait to share it. But I want to do it in a way that gives you a truth to believe, not just make you feel bad, to build you up. There might be some breaking down because of sinful, selfish desires and plans for your life, but I want you to be built up in the truth. I want to show you that prayer is the key to the mission. Prayer is the God-ordained means that the Lord uses to fuel missions around the world in Ivory Coast, in the Cache Valley, Utah, and in normal Illinois, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace, and in your classroom. And my hope is that you will believe this in your heart and that you will pray earnestly for souls to come to Jesus from the neighborhoods to the nations. What a privilege it is for us to pray. What a privilege it is for us to share the good news that God has given to us. And when we connect a prayer to mission, this is what we see from this text. Number one, prayer opens doors. Secondly, prayer opens mouths. And third, prayer opens hearts. First, prayer opens doors. This is the way we pray. Lord, give us a way. Prayer opens doors. Lord, give us a way. Often when, we, when Paul wraps up a letter, he will often end with a series of commands in staccato form sometimes, just one after the other. Look at the way Paul finishes this letter. Look at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. After all that he has written to this church, he wraps it all up and says, pray, pray, continue steadfastly in prayer. Your translation might be a little bit different. The, the Net Bible says, be devoted to prayer. Persevere in prayer. In other words, it might take some work. You might have to work hard in praying. Don't stop praying. 
If you've read this letter, you've heard all, about, all through this letter what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And a significant portion of this letter talks about what it looks like for the believer to change spiritually, to become more like Christ. And because you believe the gospel, you believe all these things to be true, you have got to be praying. Continue steadfastly in prayer. And sometimes you've got to fight to pray. You ever been there before? We feel like I have to fight to pray. And you say to your wife, no, I always pray with my mouth open. Drool coming down my beard. That's me praying. Well, actually, it takes some work sometimes, doesn't it? We live in Salt Lake City, and for, we lived in Salt Lake City for one year. And while I was there on a, in a one-year church planting residency with Gospel Grace Church, the pastors there asked me to preach one Sunday on 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. Verse 7 says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You would think it would have said, so that you can answer people clearly. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. Think rightly so that you can answer people right. But it says, for the sake of your prayers. I'm going to preach on this that, that coming Sunday, and I was meeting with the guys with whom I would eventually plant a church, and they were asking me on how my sermon prep was going. And I said to them, I've been struggling to pray, ironically. Here I am preaching about prayer, and I'm finding it hard to pray. You've been there before, and you're, you've secluded time every single day because you're a Christian. You love to stay connected to the headquarters. You've secluded time, and you're in your prayer time, and you're thinking, dear God, thank you for stuff. Um, just help me... Uh, Help me to be good in things. You ever been there before? It's like, you find it. I, I told him, I was like, I, I'm trying to pray and I'm finding it hard for words to come out. And one of the pastors says, you're preaching this week, aren't you? And they asked me a few probing questions about my sin. And they said, let's pray for Paul right now. So we sat around the table and they just prayed for me. I'll never forget that moment. That's the kind of friends I want to have. That's the kind of friends you need. That's the kind of husband you want to be to your wife. That's the kind of mom you want to be to your kids. Going through something hard? Come here. Let's pray. Fight to pray, brothers and sisters. Bring people in to help you fight to pray. Humbly tell your wife that I need help praying today. Ask your husband if he'll pray for you. If you are Christians and you find it awkward to pray with each other, you don't have a very deep relationship. If you can't pray with your kids besides around the dinner table before a meal, Without it being weird, are you discipling them? 
If it's awkward to pray with your friends, you have shallow friendships. Why wouldn't you call on the one who has the answers as you're discipling your kids? Why wouldn't you call on the one who can help as you're working through difficult things with your friends? Some people came over yesterday to my parents' house to pick up some furniture from my parents. As we packed everything up, they asked if they could just take a minute and we could all gather around and they could pray for my parents as they move. That's meaningful to us more than you know, so thank you for doing that. Fight to pray. Ask others to pray with and for you like Paul does here. Look at verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Okay, let me ask you a question. If you were in prison, what kind of door would you pray that the Lord might open? Paul is actually more concerned with the gospel of Jesus Christ than he is from, about his own release from prison. He's, it's like he sets you up. Pray that a door would open. Yeah, door open. I'm, I'm imagining what door you're going to pray for. He's like, no, an open door for the gospel. To declare the mystery of Christ. Here's the mystery of Christ. In Colossians 1, he says, the mystery of Christ, the mystery is this. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You get Christ. He shortens it in Colossians 2 and he says, here's the mystery. The mystery is Christ. The Messiah has come, paid the penalty for our sins. And we, because our sins have been forgiven and we've been clothed with his righteousness, we get relationship with Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Personal relationship with Christ. We get God. So here is what we ought to pray. Pray that there would be an open door for the word. Let, Lord, we pray, give us a way. Prayer opens doors. Lord, give us a way to meet our neighbors, to share the good news with them. Give us a way to have spiritual conversations with co-workers. Turn conversations about accounting into conversations about real life. Struggles. Eternity. Give me an open door, Lord. And then praise the Lord that prayer opens doors. Sometimes we look at the Great Commission and we think, of all nations, really, that seems like a lot. We're just this smallish kind of church here in Normal, Illinois. We get to be a part of this. What if God's plan to reach the nations is one person at a time? And it's starting with your neighbor and your neighbor and your neighbor and your neighbor. And we're speaking to all of our neighbors. You don't know who your neighbor knows. You don't know who that person knows, who that person knows, and then that person knows. You know how God's going to work all these things. Proclaim the good news. We have an opportunity you have an opportunity here with a school proclaiming the good news to people for 50 years, discipling, pointing people to Christ, pointing people to his church. Pray this way, Lord, give us a way. Give us an open door for the gospel. Many of you have prayed for Gospel Peace Church. Thank you for praying for Gospel Peace Church in Logan, Utah. Our church is about a year and a half old and the Lord has been answering your prayers. So please keep praying. We planted Gospel Peace Church a year and a half ago with about 42 adult members on day one. 
which is a kindness of the Lord. That doesn't happen very often. That kind of thing doesn't happen very often unless it's a bigger church planting down the road. We're an hour and a half away from the church we planted from. We currently have 57 members and about 130 people in attendance each week. And the Lord is just opening doors for Gospel Peace Church, specifically on the campus of Utah State University. We have many students, staff attending, many college athletes attending on a regular basis. The Lord is answering your prayers. Thank you for praying. Pray that more churches would be planted in Utah and all over the world. There is a significant need for churches to be planted. Pray the Lord would keep opening doors for the gospel in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and all around the globe. Speak the truth of the gospel. Pray that God will open doors, and don't be surprised when he does. Which leads me right to the second point. Prayer opens doors, but prayer often opens mouths. So we pray, Lord, give us boldness. When God opens doors for the gospel, be ready to speak. Look at verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to what? To declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison. Verse 4, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You think he's trying to say something there? Like, I need to speak this. I need to to declare this. Look at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you you might know how to answer each person. But do you hear what Paul's saying here? He's saying, I am in prison because I have shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you please pray for me because I'm about to do it again? If the Lord would just so happen to give me an open door to declare the gospel for which I am in prison, I'm going to do it again. Seems that his execution would come shortly. What's he thinking? Why is he doing that? I'll tell you what he's thinking. He's thinking that people need to, hear, need to hear the good news. He's like he's jealous for the name of the Lord to be proclaimed in every single home. Is that the way you think about the name of the Lord being honored in every home? Are you jealous for his name? Is that the way you think? Are you kind of like okay with whatever your friend or neighbor believes? As long as they're just nice people and kind of keep to themselves. But currently, they're worshiping a false god. If they're not honoring, worshiping the one true God, they're worshiping a false god, are you jealous for the name of the Lord to be honored in your neighbor's home? Do you really love God and love neighbor? Notice, he needs prayer to be bold. The apostle Paul needs prayer to be bold. We shrink in fear sometimes, don't we? Why do we shrink in fear? Why are we just a little bit scared about saying something spiritual to people? Why? What is it? I mean, we face a sideways glance sometimes, don't we? Paul here faces death and execution. We face maybe not being accepted quite kindly because of our beliefs in Christ. Maybe a lost friendship is at stake. 
maybe if I, if I share the good news, if I talk to somebody about Jesus, if I even talk about church, maybe I'd lose a friendship. It's tough. It's not easy. So we pray for boldness. Perhaps even, I, perhaps even there's a marred relationship with family for changing religions. This is the kind of thing we face often in Utah. Utah is a home of the LDS religion, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known as Mormons, although they're not allowed to call themselves Mormons anymore. They need to refer them to themselves as church, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because they really want the Jesus Christ in there because they really desperately want to be seen as Christians. And when somebody out of the LDS faith decides to become a true follower of Jesus, they face marred relationships all around them. Our neighborhood all attends the same church gathering, the same one. So if you step out, everybody knows. And then the family pressure. I heard a testimony of somebody that lived in southern Idaho, near the Cache Valley where we live, densely Mormon. And when I, was, when I heard her share her testimony, it was November, she said, my mom's birthday is tomorrow. I hope I get to talk to her. This is two years after she came to Christ. She says Thanksgiving is just around the corner and probably won't be invited yet again. Here and her husband came to Christ. They have kids, so grandkids, not invited. Christmas, just around the corner. We haven't seen them in Christmas, for Christmas in a long time. The year following, I heard her share again. She said, yeah, my parents came by for 15 minutes just to drop off presents for my grandkids. This is the kind of thing that when someone comes to Jesus, this is what they're facing. I'm going to show a video at the end of the service of a couple who, in the Lord's kindness, started attending Gospel Peace Church when we first opened our doors. They have since come to Christ. They wanted to wait until they were uh, for baptism until they felt comfortable enough to ask their parents to come. Well, as time went on, months passed, and I finally asked one of them, I said, how long do you think you ought to wait to obey the Lord? He's like, that's a good point. Well, they moved towards baptism that afternoon. And so we set up a baptism time for them. And one of our members videoed it for us. We're going to show that video here in a little bit. And I want you to see, you, I guarantee you'll be able to pick out their parents. And it breaks our hearts. Three of them were able to attend. One of the dads... Um, had a medical issue with a relative where he had to attend. But uh, mom and dad on one side and mom on the other side, I think you'll be able to see them. But praise the Lord, they came. They got to hear the gospel proclaimed and presented. That's what we face. Lord, give us boldness, we pray. Open our mouths. I won't bow to idols. You heard this song before? I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, 
I'll rejoice because you're there too. Praise the Lord. He gives us a commission. He gives us a promise. He gives us a commission to go to the nations and make disciples. Go make disciples among the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And he says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Praise the Lord. Give us boldness, we pray. Pray for your pastors as they proclaim the good news each Sunday as people gather here. Pray for your friends as partners in the gospel. Pray with your friends as family members. Pray for my mom and dad. This is one of the hardest things they've ever had to do. Their first Sunday here was Pastor Wingate's first Sunday here in the 1800s. <laughs> Your commitment to them doesn't end when they drive out of town. Utah is not an easy place to live. It's the only region in the United States that has not seen a revival. People talk about how we're beginning to live in a post-Christian culture, but Utah is still in a pre-Christian culture. 2% of people would claim to be evangelical Christian in Utah. 2%. Less than 1% would claim to be evangelical Christian in Cache Valley, where we live, about 150,000 people. Satan, in other words, Satan has had control of this region, it seems, since it was created. And he won't give it up easily. Pray for Matty Whistler. Maybe especially for her parents, Aaron and Brenda. As Matty comes out to Utah to attend Utah State University in the fall, it seems she chose the less comfortable option for school. She'll need your prayers for boldness to speak the truth. She's going to face challenges to her faith like she's probably never seen before. And we tried to warn her. Pray for the other graduates we saw today that they may have boldness as they will decide in the next couple of years if they are really going to follow Christ. Prayer opens mouths. Lord, give us boldness, and this is how our speech should work. Walk in wisdom, should look. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech be, always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Do you understand what that is? Be gracious, seasoned with salt. It's easy to take in. You're being kind in your words. You're not trying to corner somebody. You're not trying to, what's the best argument I can come up with so I can corner you and then say, ha ha, see, you have to believe in Jesus now. Gotcha. Don't you love him? seasoned with salt, easy to take in. Proclaim the good news as if we have good news for people. We do. People are weighed down by trying to live for themselves and work for their own salvation. We have good news so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Not just the words you say, but how you ought to say those words. Prayer opens doors, prayer opens mouths, and praise the Lord that prayer opens hearts. Praise the Lord that prayer opens hearts. It's not just about our techniques in sharing the gospel. We actually need the Lord to work. It's not about just trying to corner somebody with these arguments that we just said, but we need the Lord to work. You're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to win a person. 
Do you believe that about your neighbors and coworkers? Wouldn't it make sense to pray to the one who opens hearts? Wouldn't it make sense to pray to the one who can take a spiritually dead person and revive their hearts? To pray to the one who can take a heart of stone and soften it into a heart of flesh? Lord, give salvation, we pray. The Lord needs to take a dead person and revive them. Maybe you know somebody where you think that heart is so hard. What word could ever soften him? This is what Jesus says in Luke 18. Pray and never give up. Pray and never give up. Maybe you're here today and you've not heard this good news before. You've never decided to trust the Lord with your life, given up everything to follow him with your life. What is the good news? Did you know there's a mountain of sin debt that keeps you from God, a debt that you cannot pay? And there's a legal demand that it has in Colossians 2. It says, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. That sinful legal demand has, that demand is this. It says this, go to hell. That's what it says. Eternal damnation, separation from God. Without your sin debt being forgiven, you don't get God. The next, in Colossians 2, it says this, this he set aside. It sounds almost casual. This he set aside. But the next phrase says this, nailing it to the cross. It's done. It's been paid for. The debt has been paid in full. Come to him today. Do you Feel him calling you. Give up on yourself. Turn and follow him. Follow him so that Christ may get the glory in your life. Christian, you're called to proclaim the good news. You're called, in Mark 4, you're called to spread the seed and go to sleep. Spread the seed and go to sleep because he is the one who changes hearts, not you. You proclaim the good news and you rest your head on the pillow of his sovereignty. God wants to answer your prayers. Did you notice that in Colossians 4? Do you notice how he prays, pray, being watchful in it? How is that? With thanksgiving. Don't just bring your requests. I heard a pastor say this. Don't just bring your requests to the Lord. Bring a hymnal. Thank him for however he would answer. Don't give up. It's like he really believes, Paul really believes that the Lord is going to answer their prayers. The Lord has answered your prayers for the salvation of souls, specifically in Logan, Utah, in Gospel Peace Church. I'll show you this video now, the story of Michael and Jaleesa. A Christian baptism does not save you. So Christian baptism is actually a picture. Nothing saves us, no work saves us, outside of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So uh, for, for our entire lives, religion was a part of our homes and family lives. We tried checking off every single box to the best of our abilities. I myself placed trust and gave myself the full responsibility for my actions and everything that came with it in myself. It was a never-ending battle of, am I good enough? It seemed nothing ever worked according to the plan with the life that was laid out before me and how I should be, and it made it very difficult. 
Growing up, I focused so much on the to-do list. I didn't know that, but I never knew anything different, and I tried so hard to be better every single day. I tried to achieve a standard of perfection, and it created an environment of anxiety and stress inside of me. And it overwhelmed me so much that it got to the point where I would just say that my personality was anxious. I had read Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and my burden is light. But I could never relate to it because for me, turning towards Christ was not an easy or light thing. I just thought I didn't have enough faith in Christ for it to be true. What I didn't understand at the time was how much I couldn't do anything. My to-do list was futile. We had some neighbors who invited us here to Gospel Peace, and it was the first introduction to Christianity. We learned that works are not what save you, it is Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Well, praise be to God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that He opens doors. He opens mouths. And He opens hearts. He's still in the business of changing people for His kingdom. He's answering your prayers, Calvary Baptist Church.